Today for our Bible study, I would encourage you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll begin reading at verse 14. These things write I unto you, unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Here's Paul the Apostle writing back to his young preacher friend, Timothy, with vital instruction. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, and without controversy. Now here's my text this morning. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on into the world, believed on in the world, and received up in to glory. Now the house of God and the church of the living God is set forth in this world as a pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar is a support and public prop of the truth, the true gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ. The ground and the stay and the foundation of the truth. So the church of the living God in this world is a pillar and ground of God's truth of salvation in and by and through and exclusively in the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And then he says, and without controversy, without controversy, among God's church, those who believe the gospels, its preachers, its pastors, and every believer born of God, justified in the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of God's sovereign grace, and that's the only gospel there is, the gospel of God's sovereign grace in and by and through the Lord Jesus Christ is not an issue of debate or controversy. It's wholeheartedly received, believed, preached, and supported among God's people, the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And the gospel is not a controversy. Now here he describes to us this truth that we hold as the ground and the pillar of the gospel and without controversy. Now here's six things that he mentions. Great is the mystery of godliness. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is often called a mystery. It's not known by education. It's known by the revelation of God. It's a mystery. It's a hidden truth that must be revealed. It is rejected by the natural man. The natural man is the gospel's foolishness to him. It must be revealed by the heart, by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, by the word of truth. And then Paul defines the essence of this mystery in six plain, truthful, comprehensive statements of this gospel, the ground of the truth that's without controversy. Here's the first one. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, this is essential. This is essential. God was manifest in the flesh, exposed to view, made known in human flesh. Now, we know the scriptures teach that God is spirit. He's the invisible God. God is spirit. But yet, we see here, he became visible in human flesh. 
The Word was made flesh, John tells us in John 1.14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God who inhabits eternity inhabited a body of a man. He said he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was manifest in the flesh, truly and totally and fully God. He never stopped being God, and yet he became what he was not, man, flesh, truly and fully man in one blessed person, God and man. That's why the old writers used to call the Lord Jesus the God-man mediator, and he is. Now, why was this necessary? Why was the manifestation of God in human flesh, apart from sin, necessary? What to establish righteousness for his people? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, <clears throat> excuse me, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. The God-man, by his obedience, honored and satisfied God's holy law, establishing a justifying righteousness for his people. That's why his incarnation, God manifest in the flesh, is necessary to establish righteousness, to make atonement for sin. Now, I can't establish righteousness in myself, nor can I put away my sin, make atonement, to cover. I cannot cover my sin, but this is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did as God incarnate. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, here's a pillar and ground of the truth. God incarnate. God incarnate to establish a justifying righteousness whereby he imputes that to his people by sovereign grace and to make atonement for sin whereby he declares us justified through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Essential to the gospel. Secondly, he further defines this gospel by saying justified justified in the Spirit or justified by the Holy Spirit. That is, vindicated, proven, and upheld by God the Holy Spirit. Now, our Lord claimed and declared to be God. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Such a claim needed strong, indisputable confirmation. His spiritual nature as man was so elevated by his deity that it abundantly justified his claim to be God. We read in Scripture, someone said, Never man spake like this man, and truly no one did. At his command, <coughs> death leaves. He says, Lazarus, come forth. At his command, water turns to wine. At his command, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Who is this man? Well, he's a God-man. He vindicated and proved and justified his claim to be God by his works, his deeds, and his word. Truly, he is God. But not only that, he's justified in his own person, but also justified and vindicated and declared to be God by God the Holy Spirit. In his conception, he's born and conceived, conceived, by God the Holy Spirit, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and God spake from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
You see, the Holy Spirit justified his person, vindicated, owned, and declared that he is God. In his resurrection, he's declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, in that God raised him from the dead. You see what he's saying here? Justified, owned, proven, vindicated, declared to be God by God the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, here's another pillar of the truth. God incarnate, God justified, and then we see here thirdly, seen of angels. Here's another pillar of the truth. Seen of angels, a heavenly host of elect angels are deeply interested in the gospel of God's redeeming grace. They desire to look into these things. God incarnate, made a little lower than the angels, being made sin for us. Certainly the angels are interested in those things. They were sent to Joseph and Mary to declare, call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. They sang at his birth, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. They waited on him after the temptation. They came and ministered unto him. They strengthened him in the garden at, in uh, Gethsemane. They rolled the stone away at his tomb. They sat in his grave. They declared that he is risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And they declared this same Jesus shall come again. The gospel of grace in Christ may be folly to some, foolishness to some, but to his elect angels and his elect people, it is a power, wisdom, and glory of God unto salvation. Without controversy, you see this pillar of truth? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified, proven, vindicated, owned by God the Holy Spirit, seen of angels. Fourthly, here's another pillar of truth. Preached unto the Gentiles. Until Christ came, there was not much preaching done to the Gentile world. Paul, writing in Ephesians 2, said, We were one time without God, without hope, and without Christ. Yet it pleased God by the means and method of preaching. Preached unto the Gentiles. Preaching. To declare salvation in and by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent the Jews unto the Gentile world to declare the way of salvation in and by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was sent to the house of Cornelius. Paul unto this, unto this Gentile world. God raised these men up to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It pleased God through preaching to save them that believe. How else are we to be made aware of redemption in Christ, pardon in Christ, a justifying righteousness in Christ, but by the preaching of the gospel? How else does faith come? But by the preaching of the gospel, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of truth. Have you reverently heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Preached unto the Gentiles, God has ordained the preaching of the gospel to the calling out and to the salvation of God's people. And we see the fruit of that, another pillar of the truth, is believed on in the world. How did they believe on him in whom they have not heard? They first heard the gospel, and God granted faith to receive the word as it is in truth, the word of God. 
believed on in the world. What a miracle of grace. A miracle to hear the gospel. But oh, what a privilege to believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus and to fall in love with him. To you who believe, he is precious. I know it's not the work and will and way of men to believe on Christ and to receive him as God, as righteousness, as salvation. It's rather the way and will and work of God alone. With men, it is impossible to believe the truth. But with God, all things are possible. Have you heard the truth? Have you believed the truth? Are you resting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone? He was preached unto the Gentiles, and he was believed on in this world. What a privilege to hear the gospel and to believe God and to rest in Christ. Here's the sixth pillar of truth. Received up in the glory. What does this mean? What are the implications of the Lord Jesus his ascension, his resurrection. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. But my friend, more than that, he ascended to glory and is seated at the right hand of God. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to the believer? It means this. He finished his priestly work. He said, my meat is to do the will of God that sent me in to finish his work. And my friend, the Lord Jesus is no failure. All that the Father gave him in that covenant of grace, all those for whom he died and stood as surety, all those for whom he stood as substitute in righteousness, shall be justified through the Lord Jesus Christ. His priestly work is finished. His work was not only finished, but accepted of God. And God says, it's enough. It's enough. He's satisfied. He's satisfied with the death and the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. And my friend, the Lord Jesus Christ has taken possession of glory for us. He is a forerunner, entered in and is seated. And the believer is seated and enthroned in Christ. Our salvation, based upon his ascension, his resurrection, and his enthronement, his enthronement, is a certain and sure token and evidence of the certainty of salvation in Christ Jesus based upon Christ, his blood atonement, his justifying righteousness, his glorification. He's able to save to the uttermost all that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. The pillar of and ground of the truth 